Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia, and I'm joined on the show this week by our head of consulting, Corinne Cantor. Hey, Corinne. Hi, Dom. How are you going? I'm doing really well. Hey, a lot of culture projects going on at the moment, heaps. And what I thought might be useful is, you know, people are going to be getting their little joyous present of uh, some feedback on how the culture's going. And I thought what might be useful is record a podcast on you know, what actions could you take if, you know, certain causal factors alone? I thought what might be interesting to address this week is uh, mission and philosophy. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm kind of gearing it towards is I've just got feedback for my organization or team and we've scored low in these particular causal factors. What are some things we could do mm, mm. Um, along the way? And so I guess the first question really, Corinne, is what is it? Mission yeah. and philosophy, what are we measuring there? Yeah. It's really important. So mission and philosophy measures the extent to which the organization's been able to clearly communicate its identity and its values so that their people understand who we are, what we stand for, what we value, and why all of that is important. And the reason it's important from a cultural point of view is that it gives people a powerful sense of why the organization, if I understand why the organization exists, Mm. what it's here to do, then it helps me understand where I should be putting my effort. Right. Okay. Because my effort should be focused on contributing to the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And so if the organization's mission is not clearly articulated, and organizations have different words for this, whether you've got a vision or a mission or a purpose, in our, what we're measuring is that aspect. That okay. sense of direction. That sense of direction, but also who. Who okay. are we? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. yeah, yeah. And yep. so what makes up a really good mission, it has to have a couple of aspects. One is that it actually articulates our purpose, why we exist, mm. okay, what we're here to do. It should actually focus on the contribution that we're making to the world, whether it's a service or, you know, solving real world problems Mm. or a product, but it's the contribution Mm. to the world. It should also have an element of being externally focused. Now, one of the reasons that's important is that sometimes you see passive defensive cultures emerge because there's a focus on internal. It's very insular. Interesting. And so if you get your mission to focus on external, then it helps people to connect what who we are, we are who we are contributing to. So if we're delivering a service, who is the customer that service is for? If are we creating a difference somehow in the world, then who's going to benefit from that? Mm. And so it just strengthens this idea of purpose if you've got some external focus that is outward looking, an outward mindset. Right. What's the difference we make? Yeah, what's the difference we make? And part of the reason that outward mindset is so important, that external focus, is that the world changes. And so one of the ways that cultures hold back organizations is if they're too insular, 
the organisation internally remains the same and it starts mm. to become irrelevant mm. to the changing world around it. Mm. So why we exist, an external focus, the contribution that we're making, and it also should articulate the values, okay, what it is that we see as being, that we prioritise as being important in this organisation. Now, super important values because they relate to the behaviours that we want to see more of. So values in action are behavioural. You can observe the behaviours. So I think they're the elements that are really important to a you know, the aspects of a mission, a clear mission in an organisation. Yeah, and so the values part is that, that philosophy part, philosophy mission and philosophy. And so philosophy. what's our philosophy of leadership? Yeah. You know, how people should be managed. What's our philosophy around values? And what's our philosophy around how we interact with customers or right. stakeholders? Right. That's a, you know, the idea that we're customer-centric is a philosophy. Right, okay? yes. It hangs on a value, you know. Which also brings up the other part of mission and philosophy is customer f- customer service focus. Yeah. Right? Customer service focus. So do I see what I do, the decisions we make in relation to the end customer? Am I responsible for customer satisfaction yeah. or does it live somewhere else? Yeah. Do I help generate sales or do, does it live somewhere else? And so the customer service focus part of mission philosophy is the degree to which I'm encouraged to prioritise the customer in the way that I do my work. Now, the customer could be a stakeholder. Mm. doesn't have to be, a, you know, someone that you're selling something to, but someone that you are serving, if we can put it that way. Mm-hmm. So that becomes part of mission philosophy because it's a position that we take, mm. you know, to value customers. And so it's, a, it's part of our philosophy. Yes. And so maybe, maybe we'll split those up um, yeah. for the next bit. And we already touched on it really in there, but kind of, you know, what would it look like constructively? So is that kind of clarity of what we're here for, you know, passive, maybe it's a bit internal, maybe it's a bit ambiguous, you know, aggressive. It can drive aggressive through, you know, you see somewhere it's like uh, to be the number one yes. in something, right? Yep. Which is Or to be recognized as recognized the, as the leading, best. Yep, uh, yep. The best, the number one. Yep. It tends to be very... It's a sort of aggressive defensive. So the good thing is at least there is a a position being taken. But because the position is focused, the philosophy is focused on winning. It's almost more Mm self-service, self-serving rather than being community-oriented. And I think, you know, in recent years, Dom, this concept of businesses having a social license Mm. You know, if you look at corporate social responsibility has become ever more important, but the idea that businesses aren't separate to the community, they are part of the community and there's a greater expectation that they contribute in a positive way to the community. Yeah, and, you know, at the end of the day, all organisations exist to solve some kind of problem. Exactly. You know, and so it's being clear on on that and and that's our purpose, not the self-serving one. Yeah. But, you know, in order to do that, we've got to make money and stuff like that too, right? So that, that's all good. The other part I'd add to that actually is because it talks about understanding the objectives and priorities. So yes. I kind of hear like strategy. Strategy. And that as yeah. well. Yeah, that's right. And look, the evidence that the mission and philosophy is strongly embedded in the organisation so that you could ask anybody right. what the values are, what the objectives of the organisation are, and they would be able to tell you. 
and more importantly, they'd be able to explain how it makes a difference to their work. So I love that as a, you know, little uh, immediate action drill. Yeah. You know, if you're listening to this, go ask a bunch of people. Go yeah. ask five different yeah, people, yeah, see what right. answers Practice you on get. on the field, that's right. You know, because I've done it with leadership teams. So I'm like, what? what's the strategy? Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah. uh Corinne, can you just pull it up on the computer? So yeah. Guys, like, that's an issue. It's this and it's that, you know, and there's this and there's this. Look, I think one of the things too is that I hear a lot when we go to organisations is that the top line of the mission, okay, to save the world or to make sure that we create the healthiest children, whatever it is. So very often that top line gets bought into Mm. so people love it. Okay, they get it, they're on board with it. Where sometimes, and sometimes the leaders will say, but it's really clear what we're here to do, Mm. but it's the top line that's clear. Mm. What isn't clear is how that should shape the work that I do. Right. Okay, so for example, in our business, our vision is to change the world one organisation at a time. Okay, so how does that as a practical criteria impact my work. Mm. Well, it could be, for example, that I'm working with an organization who wants me to do something that's kind of outside the realm of what I would normally do or, you know, but it complements the work that we do and it would really help them. It would Mm. help their transformation. Mm. So I would be asking myself, does this help this organisation transform into a constructive organisation? Mm. If it's a yes, I'm going to go and do it. Right. Okay. Because I have permission in our organisation right. to make that kind of call. Mm. So I think sometimes I work with a lot of organisations that have got fantastic visions or missions or purpose, very clearly articulated, but it doesn't go beyond that. Yeah. I've had the same where if one, the type of organization it was, people signed up for the mission. Like yes, that's why they were there. Yes. But they were like, what the heck does it mean for me this week, this month, this quarter? Like, oh. yeah. Because it was like a sort of, it's a 20 year in the future type yeah. thing. And okay, but what does that mean for me today? Yeah. Or tomorrow? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Basically their response. Yeah. So, so on, on that, Karim, what can mm. organizations, what can team leaders do in this space? If we're going to turn up the, the dial on mission and philosophy and particularly articulation of mission to start with. Yeah. What are some things we should be thinking of? What should we be doing? I think the first thing to do, just as a bit of a fundamental check, is do you have, it's very basic, do you have a mission? Do you have a clearly articulated statement of purpose, mission, vision, and values? Okay. So does that exist somewhere? First question, because if it doesn't exist, you, you got to develop you, it. <laughs> you, you say it's a silly question, but I had a client where they had demerged. Yeah. And then it was like, what's the mission? And they're like, uh, is it the old one? Do we have yes. a new one? They actually yes. didn't know. And they like, yes. they literally looked up their own website yes. and they're like, oh, yeah, there is a different one. Yes. So I was like, okay, but no one knows it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think check whether you've got one. And sometimes it can be the business has grown so quickly that as small business, it was clear, it didn't need to be written down because you could just see everybody and you could talk it. So it could be that there's been mergers and it's been lost. But the first thing is to check that you've got it. The second thing to do is to check it against some of those factors that we 
talk about. So the checklist is, does it explain why we exist? Is it externally focused? Does it mention the contribution that we're making? And does it contain the values? So I think they're some of the checklists that I would use. The second thing to do just as a basic check is to look at it for clarity, read it for clarity. So can I read it and it makes sense to me how I'm going to need to behave? For example, if I look at the value, so read it for clarity. The other thing, so I think if you you have it, if you don't have it, then you need to develop it. And what I'm hearing, read it for clarity is simple. Yeah, keep it simple. simple. And and I've seen ones, Corinne, where it's like plan on a page. Yeah. Awesome, right? Because what's the point of a plan on a page is simple. Yeah. Except the page is an A4. (laughs) Oh, no, an A3. A3 A3 piece of paper and the font. font. The font, I was going to go with six, but yes. So I think that's the first thing is check. Now, many organizations will have a purpose statement, vision statement, mission statement. Yep. And they'll have values and the values may have just been done. So there's no will to change them. So what to do with the values, especially if you've got values like respect, integrity, the whole thing about values and mission philosophy, it's your opportunities and organization to stand out. Okay. To make it unique to you. So if you have values like respect, okay, or honesty, then What does that break down to in your organization? What does being honest look like? So one of my clients, for example, has talk straight. Mm -hmm. That's what. So it's not honest, it's talk straight. Other, you know, I remember focus, you know, had the example of fun. Mm. And so fulfilling forever. Fulfilling forever. Mm. So that is an unusual, you know, selection. (laughs) You remember it. So I think the first thing is to look at the values and see whether they pick up on the uniqueness of the organization, what makes the organization itself. And it's also about breaking it down into some specific behaviors. I always feel a little bit in conflict when I say break it down into behaviors because the ideal is that you don't have to over-engineer it. You don't have to break it down into three or four behaviors. But sometimes initially as people learn what it is, they need some clarity. I like the idea of instead of doing it in words, maybe capturing it in stories, Mm -hmm. okay, models of excellence of the organisation, of people, situations that capture our values. So the other way to start putting this together in terms of the what, and then we'll talk a bit about the how you do it, And, you know, there are lots of ways. But one of the things to think about if you don't have mission, purpose, philosophy, think of three things. Actually, it might be four. I might squeeze in a fourth thing. The first thing is what do we do well? Okay, what do we do well? So what are we good at? What do we love doing? Okay, and how do we contribute? So what do we do well might be our strengths, not necessarily our contribution. Whereas the other one is, how do we contribute to the world? The fourth question that I throw in there that I think is really powerful is, why would the world miss us? Mm. If we didn't exist, why would the world have lost something? Yeah, it's an interesting one because it really makes you think. Now, the other thing to do, so if you just start with those sort of four questions, it can be a really powerful start to 
defining and crafting. The how of it is, I look, I think in the old days, it used to be that the executive team, sometimes the CEO will define it and will just say, this is what we're going to do. Sometimes the executive team goes off and retreat and they come back and say, this is what we're going to do. I think that it is important. So a purpose, a vision and a mission that needs to be owned by the CEO and the leader and the executive. And I think it is also useful to involve, crowdsource the behaviours around the values, Mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. That's how you can involve people because the culture and the values are really for the people. Yes. Yeah, I'm with you though, which is probably um, slightly counter-cultural these days because people want to involve everyone in everything. But I I think to your point – the purpose, the values that we stand for, and they might be aspirational. Yes. But that's okay. Yeah. But the purpose and aspirational values need to be an extension of the leader, so the CEO and the leadership team. Like they've got to buy in so strongly to them that I think you can crowdsource it and they come up with a list. I'm like, meh. Well, it's also not, you know, the executives at that level have a specific accountability. They're the authorised leaders. Mm. And so they have a specific accountability. They've also probably been given a mandate yes. and recruited, you know. So it's it's a fine line between setting a vision, mission and purpose that links to the reason the business exists and it's going to be integral to their ability to lead Yes. And deliver it. They've got to bring people on that so, journey. So they've got to believe. Yeah. They've got to believe. So I think that that's kind of the engine room yep. at, that, at that level. And I think once that's done, you know, the values is something that's important to in, involve people. And some organizations involve people in the purpose as well. So I think there's a choice point for organizations, but it's definitely something I don't think that can just be purely crowdsourced. Oh, you probably could do it, but I, I don't know. The key thing is that you've got to have the leaders really buying into it and right. very committed to it. Right. So I think there's the what there and then the how is involve people as much as you can. The other thing that I've started to talk to organisations about with values is because, Dom, you and I come across so many values mm. and so very often I feel like it's a lost opportunity. Mm. Values are one of those things that people feel like organisations, oh, we've got to have it. We're supposed to do it. We're supposed mm. to do it. We've got it. But values at its most potent are used as criteria for decision-making. Mm. So when the leaders really believe in their values, they will use it to make decisions. Rob Murray who is the ex-CEO of Lion, often talked about how they use sociability purpose Mm, mm. as a way and their values as a way of actually making business decisions. So I think there's a lost opportunity when you develop values that are surface level and they're not embedded in the organisation. That's also a sure way of not getting the culture that you want. But what I find a bit disappointing with values is that we come across the same integrity, respect, teamwork, and at that level it doesn't mean very much. Honourable, no doubt, but it's not very meaningful. So I like the idea of supercharging a value. So supercharging means that you actually think about what is it that we do effortlessly? What is it that we do 
that we're so passionate about that we would defend. So it's like finding the descriptive words mm. that actually kind of supercharge it. So one of an organization that I knew years ago used to have a really an aspirational value that was around scary good. Mm-hmm. Okay, scary and good. So taking something that could be fearful but linking it to good meant that they were reframing mm-hmm. how to embrace challenges. So that's what I mean by supercharging. And I think that often when there's in the supercharge, there's often emotional content and that's what wins the hearts and minds of people in the organization and, you know, leads them to want to give their discretionary effort. They feel proud. They feel passionate. Mm. And then I think, so I I love that. And then I think it's taking them off the wall and and you talked about, you know, telling stories Mm. that reflect the values, linking, hey, Corinne's team did an outstanding job and this is how it connects to our mission. This is how it connects to our philosophy. This is how it connects to our values. And it's, you know, we talk about culture being both explicit and implicit. Yes. And this can be an implicit one, but make it explicit as well. Yes. Right? Paint the connections. And that's not just at a exec kind of level either, but within my team, you know, I'm a frontline leader. Yeah. Paint the you know, as you say, kind of break it down. So how do we, if we've got this mission and we've got the strategy, how do we contribute to it? And I would suggest getting the team to come up with that. Yeah. You know, so, exactly. so that, that's the crowdsourcing thing. That's the breakdown. So, hey, we know what the overall mission is. We know what the overall strategy is. What's our part in that? Yeah. And that's exactly what I was going to say. So there's some idea at the, the top level, mm. but once it's done, each leader should Bring it alive. their team, bring it alive and mm. ask them, if our mission is to save the world one organisation or change the world one organisation, then how do we do that as mm. a team? What's our contribution? Mm. How do we live the values at our best? Mm. What do we look like? The other thing with the values is the other thing that I think is important to do that you can do this with your team as well. You started talking about it. I think Values can be aspirational. So I think what's important is that the organization takes what they want to preserve, so what exists and is core. Okay, There is an organization that I'm working with at the moment. They've got some fantastic values that are core and already embedded. Mm. Okay, We want to preserve that. So the essence of adapting to the world Mm. is you choose what to preserve and you choose what to discard. Mm. You don't want to throw everything away because it's not necessarily desirable or useful. You know, it doesn't always have to be a clean sheet. So look at the values that already exist that the organization and the people are doing well. Okay, that gets you started well. And then there may be other values that you're not living at the moment, but you would like to. Mm. Okay, and that can be the stretch. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and and be upfront with that because sometimes values can create cynicism. Like, uh, yeah, that whatever you know, honest conversations. We don't do that. That's not true. Like, cool. It's aspirational. That's where we want to get, and we need to know where we're going. You know, in yeah. order to go anywhere. And I think the cynicism comes up because people don't see it being used or lived. You know, and and that's it. So we need to take it off the wall and bring it to life. And yeah. So that's referring to it. It's pointing out examples of it. It's when we're taking on this new piece of work. As a leader, I need to connect it to why it makes a difference to our mission or yeah. or strategy. Like, how does it contribute? Where does it fit in the puzzle? And encourage my team to be able to do the same. 
Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's like, you know, the immediate thing, oh, it's a bit of a pain in the butt, if yeah. I'm honest. Yeah. But you got to paint the bigger picture. Like, where yeah. does it connect through? What's it going to enable us to do? And also, I think one of the simple things to do is if you do already have a mission and values, is to read through your website. So, one of the things that we do is we look at the website and does the website and the language that you're using actually reflect what you've said you about yourself as an identity? And you can get the team. So, you know, one of the practical ways to take it off the wall and make it come alive is to get people to think about it. You know, it's the it does it meet the pub test or, you know, there's another the word for test. that, the barbecue test mm. in terms of, you know, have I covered off X? Have I covered off Y? Does it reflect the values so that it becomes part of my decision-making process in how I do things around yep. here? Yeah. Awesome. What about, because we, we, that was the articulation of mission, but the customer yeah. service focus as well, because this one can often be challenging, Corinne, and I see it particularly for internal kind of teams. Yeah. You know, like customer service focus, which looks at am I responsible for generating sales, for satisfying the customer, for passing on information about the customer. Usually that connection's fairly obvious, you know, for the sales team or the customer service team, right? The the folks who are dealing with customers every day. Yes, I believe I am responsible for customer satisfaction. Where I see it fall down is with you know, the finance team, the HR team, yeah. the IT team, the whatever, who don't necessarily see customers every day. Yeah. And I, I'd be interested in your take on this. I might have a different philosophy from you. We'll, we'll see. Because people talk about internal customers yeah. and that's all good. But I reckon with this causal factor, it's really about the ultimate customer. Yeah. Can we map what we do through to how it impacts the final customer? Yep, I think that's true, but there's that old saying is if you're not serving a customer, you're supporting somebody who does. 100% agree and, with and that. And so I think that you're going to have some roles that aren't directly facing customer. And so that's okay, but it's seeing the connection not just to the internal customer, but from them to the end agree. customer. Agree, yes, I agree, that's right. It's I think that's right. So the customer service focus Focus is the operative word. Right. You could probably argue that, but it's- I, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with it. I'm going to go with it. Go with it. Well, what I mean is operative word for what I'm about to say right now. Right. Because the focus is the philosophy, right? The degree to which we put customers right. at the heart of what mm-hmm. we do. And you're right, Dom, in the sense that even if I'm, I'm in the back office, if- I need to see that I'm part of the chain of serving the end customer stakeholder, that I'm part of actually. And there's that story about the stonemasons. Do you remember that one? Where you ask one stonemason what they do and they break bricks. Another stonemason says, what do you do? Well, you know, we form walls. Mm. Another one says, I build cathedrals. Right. Okay. so. Like that building cathedrals can see beyond the day-to-day activity into the contribution that they make. And I think that's, I remember a finance team that was part of an organization. This finance team were rock stars. They were absolutely amazing. And I think we've talked about this example before, but what happened for them was when the organization put their plan on a page, the strategy, 
and the big projects, finance team, we saw in their data, their motivation go down. Mm. And we sort of said, well, what's going on? Because your culture of the team is actually quite strong. Mm. And they said, well, where are we on that page? Mm. And they were critical because they were the ones that did the legwork, business feasibility, you know, business right. viability case studies in order to fund those projects. Well, yes. So if they didn't do the work, that happening. could go nowhere. But because it wasn't visible and their impact on the customer ultimately wasn't obvious to them because they're behind, you know, behind the walls, then they didn't feel like their customer service focus and they didn't feel that they were part of that chain. You know, beautiful example, you know, and I think of like the operations team or something where like, oh, you know, we're just sending stuff out or, or whatever. So I'm not generating sales. Hey, how much easier is it for our salespeople to make a sale if our product's awesome? Yes. You know, if it arrives on time, if it's you yes. know of a high quality, if it's all of this. Being packed well. My job as a salesperson is so easy versus yeah. the it's a shoddy product. It yeah. turns up late half the time. Oh, my God. Damaged. I'm, I'm battling uphill every step of the way. Not packed well. Not packed well, you know, and so it's like. The so, order wasn't taken properly and so I have the wrong address, like. All of that yeah, counts. Exactly. And so it's, you know, how do we enable, I'm, I'm not, like literally I'm not making the sale myself, but by doing a cracking job, hey, it makes it so much easier for yeah. our team. Or like finance, you know, even like getting debtor days down or something. Yes. Right? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah. It's like, well, if we get debtor days down, we get more cash flow in the business. If we've got yeah. more cash flow in the business, we can invest in these things over Absolutely. here, which is going to yeah. ultimately serve customers. And so it's painting that connection for people. So this is why it matters ultimately. Yeah. And I think part of that is that's difficult if we're not clear about who our customer is. True. And when I say who our customer is, I'm not talking whether I see my internal customers as being customers. I'm talking basics, you know, who do we serve in the community, right. whether they're stakeholders, community organisations, or yep. whether they're paying customers. Who actually are they? Mm. What do we know about them? Mm. And what do we know about what they need? And maybe what do they need that they're not aware that they need? And then how do we organize ourselves internally in that chain so that if everybody does their job, ultimately they are the beneficiaries of that? And that's why it's so important. Yeah. Because what customer service focus does is it breaks down those silos because we are all on team customer. Yes. Right? Rather yeah. than like, well, that belongs in customer service department. I'm over here in IT land yeah. doing something completely different. Yeah. No, like the stuff we're building in IT is going to help customer service deliver the product or whatever, or, you know, we're delivering the product maybe. And so it puts us all on the same page. Yeah. And that's why it's so important. And so as far as action goes, one I reckon that you're pointing out is, for a lot of organizations, they don't actually know who the customer yeah. is. And that sounds funny, but it's actually true because it's like, yeah. we serve these people and these ones kind of. Yeah. Know. So let's get clear on that. Yeah. The other thing I think that's important is sometimes you're going to have people in roles who actually don't see that they're customer facing, even that they have a role in servicing the customer. I'm working in audit. I don't do anything with that, mm. you know. And I think so there's got to be education internally about how we, who the customers that we serve and why everybody's job is important, even if you're not dealing with them directly. 
that's fundamentally what when yeah. that scores low, yeah. that's what's happened. And so I like just like we're talking about breaking down the the strategy and stuff. Break that down. Challenge the team to make the connections. And if they need help, get the team downstream from them to come in and talk about, hey, when you do guys do a cracking job, this yeah. is how it helps us serve the customer. Yeah. You know, and so so because it's about painting the connection all the way through. Yeah. So, you know, like my effort makes a difference. And one of the activities I used to have a lot of fun with, and I'm just trying to recall all the finer details, but basically is physically construct the chain. Okay. Mm. So somebody can be the customer and say, okay, what happens at a point at which they, what's the first thing that they do interact with the organization? They make a call. Who do they make a call? Make a call. Who's in that position? Dom, come and stand in that position. So, okay, and Dom, what do you need to do in order? Well, I have to talk to the stock take department. Okay, stock take, come. And you just build a physical oh, line and you can use yarn or wool or, or right. colored balls From just so that people, yeah, and you get, it's a group activity where people say, well, what about this? Yep, great. Come on, where do you come in? Third, fourth, are you at the side or at you? That's cool. So it helps to physically make the point. I, I like that as well because you could do it, you could draw the process map on the wall, but I kind of like the idea of having people. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, um, so there are a few few ideas. The other thing that you can do, of course, with customer focus is go and talk to your customers. There's always that. There's always that. Yeah. Yep. And bring your internally facing teams along. Yeah. So if you're in, because sometimes like I'll see it where like customer service or something can sometimes, it can feel tough sometimes because you can cop the blame for, you know, maybe the IT team of something's gone wrong in IT land or something, yeah. but I'm on the phone. So yeah. the customer's talking to me and there's a temptation to, that's not my fault. It's IT's fault. But to the customer, they're like, like, I don't care about your internal departments. You're one company to me. That's right. And you should be. You're just that company. You're just that company. And so, but it's bring them along so they understand that connection. So IT are included in the customer calls or finance yes. are included in the customer visit. And the other thing I think too is feedback stories of where customers have been well served, where something's achieved. I remember one of our people here years ago had a practitioner who didn't have materials. There were a whole lot of things that went wrong. One of our members of our team spent, went on their weekend, their Saturday morning, drove down to Wollongong. It's a decent drive. Decent drive. So mm. what is it, two hours like that. from Sydney mm. to make sure that the practitioner had their materials. Now, that's just pure care and concern for the practitioner. And it would have been easy to say, I can't do it, can't help you. But it was, you know, caring enough about the impact on them. And that's what you're trying to do. One organization I worked with years ago, an insurance company, had a lot of advertisements which showed the role that they played in supporting businesses in a bushfire. Mm. But the value of that was that their people saw these mm. stories of customers, mm. you know, and so it helped them to feel proud right. about the organisation and what their contribution to the world. So especially for people in sort of what we'd say is back office, you know, not a great term, but finance, the people who don't get customer-facing customer IT or they get all the problems, it's important to let them know that they were part of the chain that made a difference in someone's life. I love that. 
I love that because our challenge because our, our challenges that I've heard is you know if you're in that team that has the lower score for customer service focus, get the team to map out that connection through to the customer. Yes. Here's the challenge for the team that is customer facing, customer service, sales, whoever, for the functions that support you, paint the picture back for them. Yes. Right. And tell them, hey, and that's the storytelling. Here's yes. how you made a difference to yes. you know, this example or yeah. how you enable us to do this. Yeah. Because if Great. you want if you want good service from them, you make the connections for them. And I love that too, Dom, because what you said is right. It's got the potential to break down silos because it's the collaboration between the teams in the organization that benefits the customer or the stakeholder at the end of the day. That's it. Great topic. Awesome. Thanks, Corinne. Hey, before we sign off, we've got a conference coming up. We so do. If, if We're very excited. If you like Culture Bites, you'll love the conference. It's um, an opportunity where a lot of our, our clients come along and share their stories, what's worked for them, what are they working on. And the great news is, it's back in person this year. Yay. So that's awesome. We're excited about We're it. Excited. And and look, we've we've had a lot of requests to have it back in person, but we feel that this is the year to this do it. Yeah. And so it's going to be in Sydney on September 5th, uh, Melbourne on September 13th. So hold those in your diaries. Check out our website. Registrations will be opening. So get involved in that. It's going to be awesome. It's also just an awesome day, you know, as part of the HS community. And seeing everyone, because there's you know lots of people there, um, which is fantastic. The other one, just to point out, we do professional development events all the time. So if you're accredited with us, you can come along to these things. We've got a couple coming up. One, which is always popular, is Childhood Origins with Sean McCarthy. That's on the 7th of June, which popular podcast as well, but the workshop's even better. And the other one is Value of Self on the 27th of June with Lorraine McCarthy. And that's really if you want to kind of deep dive your LSI one. So kind of get, peel back the, the layers of the onion, Corinne. Get Excellent. deep under the surface. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's a very popular session and it'll give you a very deep appreciation of how the LSI one really tells a story of how we've learnt to adapt through life and how we've brought, how our, our thinking shapes our behavior. It's a deep dive. Deep dive. So check those out. Awesome. Thanks for your time today, Corinne. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show, remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.